Happy holidays, my friends, and welcome to our weekly podcast. I'm Jules Hilliard, founder and CEO of Secure Block Technologies, where we are developing the industry's first blockchain operations center, or BOC for short. I am also what appears to be in the witness protection program today, so hope you don't mind. You know, we do monitoring, analytics, security, validation for all of your chains, nodes, and dApps from one single pane of glass, from developers, enterprise companies tapping into the many benefits of blockchain, our bot will optimize your DevOps cycle, or Dev Chain Ops as we call it, and expedite your next-gen chains and dApps into production. For more information, please visit our website at secureblocktech.com. And please subscribe, hit that like button, and share this podcast with your colleagues to help us in our efforts to stimulate the mass adoption of blockchain technology by the enterprise. Today, to kick off our holiday series, we have multiple great guests joining us, and we're going to need them as we're tackling a behemoth topic. So buckle up out there as we flush out data processing at the edge, failure at the frontier, or last mile milestone. And joining us today to explore this great unknown, we have a couple of world famous IT thought leaders. The man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Ron Reine, CEO of LBN. Ron, how about you take a minute here and tell us more about LBN, your technology and vision. Ron, the mic is yours. Appreciate it, Jules. Thank you all for the invite today, and I appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk about what we're doing at LBN. Uh, we are a young startup as we started uh, late 2019, and as we have been watching the industry, it's nice to see some of the original vision and all uh, with Akshay Sharma, who's on with us, is what we put together. So what LBN is, is an, is an enabling nano data center as a mech. So when you start looking at what everybody's trying to do with smart city, smart building, industry 4.0 and all that, what we have built as an architecture and product and service, all those together, is the ability to enable that of no matter where you're at and what you're doing, whether you're a city, a municipality, a first net responder, that we have options for that and safety that go along with the IoT components that we have. At the same time, that's why we're so excited working and talking with you all, Jules, and understanding the security components that have to follow behind this. So we are enabling all that as, as what I call a multi-tenant agnostic neutral host backhaul environment, which this, this enables so many more of the actual options and functions and features that are, people are talking about in the industry today. And that is, that is what we do at LBN. I um, mean, I want to plug a little here for us. Our website is www.lb-n.com. Um, and, uh, Love to have everybody take a look. Um, we are moving forward in some other social media um, coming up here shortly with our marketing department. So I appreciate being on today and look forward to a very in, uh, enticing kind of conversation. So I appreciate your time. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us, Ron. We're, we're excited as well. And uh, I know you and I are going to probably get out of the way for the rest of this uh, or most of the segment as we get the smart guys on the, on the, on the podcast here. And speaking of which, uh, joining Ron today for the technical aspect, uh, the CTO of LBN, Mr. Akshay Sharma. Thank you for joining us today, Akshay. Yep, thank you. Thank you for the invite and uh, glad to be here. Great, great, great to have you. And let's not forget my trusted colleagues, the dynamic duo of IT themselves, fresh off his starring role in the remake of The King and I, Mr. John Yule Brenner Hooks. Thank you for joining us today, Yule. 
Slow jewels, not to be confused with Yule, uh, wherever you are. <laughs> Thanks, Jewel. And the Santa Claus of security, Mr. Joel Jingle Bell Swamangan. Thank you for joining us today, Joel. Hi, Jules. Uh, thanks again. I'm looking forward to this uh, great session with our guest, special guests. All right. Great, great. Well, enough messing around. Let's jump in with the good stuff and why we're here. You know, I want to start off uh, by opening up um, this podcast and talk a little bit about processing IoT data. John, what challenges do you see in processing data from the growing number of IoT and other edge computing devices using the current AI technology stack? Oh, Jules, before I comment on the challenges, let me talk briefly about the opportunities. Uh, there can be no doubt that the Internet of Things generates uh, ever-increasing amounts of data. And according to IDC, the number of connected devices will grow to 41.6 billion by 2025, generating 79.4 zettabytes, that's with a Z, of data. And because of their variety and size, this data needs to be processed efficiently with new algorithms. So neural networks processing has consequently become a key part of the value created by the emerging applications in the IoT world. Uh, neural networks, as you know, allow not only the treatment of extremely large sets of data, but also to attract key and invisible pieces of information as well. Um, neural networks data processing raises several challenges in terms of performance requirements. Uh, the cloud was the first location to host this large processing demand, but this is currently evolving and has some uh, challenges as well. Firstly, the connected devices often rely on a constrained power budget, therefore limiting the capability to transmit large sets of data along wireless networks. Secondly, the connection between the endpoints and the cloud can have reliability issues, which raise concerns about the reliability of the overall application. And thirdly, the inherent latency of the link between sensors and the cloud can have a bad impact at the application level. And finally, the data emitted out of the sensor raises inevitable uh, privacy concerns. However, none of these challenges will be overcome until a multi-purpose neutral host backhaul infrastructure for smart cities and industrial complexes, uh, 5G and later 6G wireless and mobile communications, and of course distributed edge cloud is in place to facilitate the last mile of data processing in real time. Uh, only then, as CEO, CIOs and Gartner analysts often point out, well, organizations' architectural and security debt be transformed into architectural security liquidity. Jules? Very good, John. Thank you. Thank you for that information. That's a lot of information. And for those of you joining our podcast, uh, let me remind you, your computer's working just great. I am in the witness IT witness protection program here with my camera. But uh, Akshay, you know, the former analyst with Gardner, you know, current uh, CTO of LBN. Do you want to uh, pick it up from here and, and comment on, on what John's talking about? Sure, thanks. Um, you know, we're headed towards a new, you could say, direction. Um, 
you know, while 5G is, you know, fully baked and standardized right now, we're also having, you know, thoughts about even 6G coming up, you know, where 6G is predicted to be leveraging concepts of quantum computing, quantum networking, quantum neuromorphic architectures with AI in the light domain. And it'll be interesting how all of these new solutions, you know, leverage light, Li-Fi, uh, terahertz frequencies, uh, you know, there could be new uh, quantum qubits uh, where newer thinking is needed on how instruction sets are programmed, how data is stored and how it's shared or networked at a distance, how parallel processing is done. In the next decade, communications will transcend traditional voice messaging and data. Communication will happen through cyber physical experiences which will be use case specific blends of audio, voice, data, content, application, services, video, haptics, location, context-based uh, personalization and reactive environments. These cyber physical experiences will be delivered through emerging endpoint devices such as virtual reality headsets, augmented reality glasses, earbuds, volumetric displays like holograms, Imagine we can now go into a smart space or a smart campus or a smart city and enjoy these cyber physical interfaces that are yet to be even conceived and realized. We also have this emerging era of fake news, AI enabled deep fakes. The next decade will challenge our conventions of trust and force us to evolve the principles of individual privacy and associated rights. What is real? What is fake? What can we trust? Should we have the right to know if we're talking to a person or a chatbot? Over the next decade, fast-growing concerns over trust, security, and individual privacy rights will drive the demand and development of holistic trust and security frameworks, platforms, technologies that will attempt to fill the gaping holes of security and privacy will continue to expand in size and number, especially as IoT, Internet of Things, evolve into IOE, Internet of Everything. Holistic trust and security capabilities will also be driven by decentralized resource and asset sharing models that will evolve towards through 2030. Identity management of, it, of everything is a technology concept that will support identity and policy management for the emerging Internet of Everything, of people, things, devices, places, and content, data, this technology represents the integration of a number of security and privacy management functions that holistically will deliver secure provisioning and authentication of these entities. The technology will also administer the control and enforcement of digital rights for content, privacy rights for people, and terms of agreements between businesses and private entities based on policy and transactional context. I believe blockchain with its smart contracts its decentralized algorithms, its consensus algorithms in a decentralized architecture will be a key enabling technology for achieving this. And at LBN, we are driving towards this type of platform and framework as well. Excellent, yes, thank, thank you, actually. That was, that was fantastic. And as we know, as we pioneer this new technology and take it to market, as you pointed out, uh, the security teams are <laughs> caught and left to uh, figure it out on the fly and help keep uh, this new technology safe. Which brings us to uh, Mr. Joel, you know, from a security perspective, what's your take on the growing number of IoT and edge computing devices? Uh, thanks, Jules. Uh, before I answer the question, let me uh, first uh, set the stage. 
So as we know, edge computing is basically a distributed open IT architecture that brings uh, the compute, storage, and applications to a local edge computing device that is close to where users and the facilities and uh, connected devices that generate and consume the data instead of basically transmitting it uh, to the data center. Now, this greatly reduces the latency in data processing, which results in increased network efficiency. Now, with edge computing, an organization's AI or ML technology becomes more efficient since the processing load is distributed to the sensors and other edge devices. And now the data size used for transmission and retrieval over the cloud can be minimized. And because of this great potential with edge computing, even Gartner, I read, uh, predicted that by 2025, that's only about five years from now, that about 75% of enterprise data will be generated and processed at the edge computing devices. Now, having said this, from a security perspective, here's what I see. A couple of positive notes. First, there's going to be an increased efficiencies, as I mentioned earlier, the network latency, the AI ML technology leads to less human errors, which can sometimes result to better security. And second, network security can be improved by providing local encryption on other security features. And the local traffic at the edge computing devices or IoT devices can now be secured at a lower cost with inexpensive sensors and controllers. Now on the negative side, I can see that more control and security of our data is now given to our edge computing device business partners. Now, this can be problematic for some businesses who need to meet the demands of compliance requirements like GDPR, CCPA, and so on. And also for those who will have to meet their customer expectations to keep their data safe. And the second item is that this will also uh, increase our endpoint attack surface. The cloud and edge computing combination puts customer data at risk since businesses will end up surrendering control over their connected devices to third parties. Now, Jules, hand it back to you. It's fantastic. No, thank you. That was definitely a lot of great information. I think it gives everyone uh, a lot of uh, great information to research as well. There's a lot to dig in and uh, on that. And I think we should probably take this into edge, edge computing, maybe do a little bit of a deeper dive. I think it's a good transition. Uh, John, let's, let's start off with you. You know, do you mind uh, drilling down further into the edge computing stack? Uh, more specifically, that's uh, the processor level. What are some of the bottlenecks you see that make it difficult to process and analyze large amounts of data at the edge? Well, Jules, uh, most often the first computing element through which sensors circulate data is the microcontroller unit, otherwise known as the MCU. Uh, the MCU either gives feedback directly based on the reading of the sensor or on certain instructions or when the data is too complex to analyze, it transmits the data for further processing in other computing elements in the cloud, for instance. Pushing more and more computing at the edge means transferring more and more computing capability to the MCU in order to take local decisions and actions. However, MCUs, as their name says, are good for control 
not for processing. They are often based on architectures optimized for what we call deep sleep mode, which can trigger efficient wake-up at every data event. Uh, the CPU is at the center of these centralized architectures and takes all the decisions, uh, and these architectures make sense when the number of events is low and when the processing required is relatively simple. So in the case of processing large data flows, as is the case for artificial intelligence and machine learning models, MCUs often fail to meet the application requirements, and therefore, I believe, new architectures are required. Jules? Thank you. Thank you, John. Akshay, what are your thoughts regarding the bottlenecks in edge computing? Well, one of the main bottlenecks I see is there's going to be newer software delivery stacks needed. So CIOs and software architects of newer smart city, smart campus, smart grid projects will need to explore agile CICD, continuous integration and continuous delivery functionality needed to deploy applications to any platform at any scale. New tool chains are needed to support a task-based pipeline for orchestration of these release activities, the build and deployment of automation functions with real-time analytics as they launch not only legacy application lifecycle management software like the old classic waterfall model to newer DevOps, but now DevSecOps functions with security and vulnerability assessments all built into the development process and continuously checked for new change requests. These pipelines are needed to meet the new needs of implementing continuous delivery, helping companies manage applications deployed in heterogeneous environments like on-prem or edge cloud, or well within legacy application lifecycle management to newer DevSecOps delivery. Additionally, solutions like an IPaaS integration platform as a service or an enterprise software bus are needed supporting encryption, security, all integrated and all automated with ease of de service delivery, ideally with a pay-as-you-grow business model. LBN's partner ecosystem additionally supports complete workflow automation, security and vulnerability assessments, product lifecycle management, process compliance, all integrated. So with this IPaaS offering, you know, you want to also look at best of breed partners. And these could be stumbling blocks because, you know, the traditional way you were siloed, you know, security was a different team, development and delivery of software was a different team, and your vendors, you know, your telecom equipment vendors traditionally would have their siloed solutions. Now, all of this in this new world of edge computing will be, will be needed to make it multi-tenant with concurrent users across multiple access methods, multiple access networks, multiple carriers, all managed as a service. This is the new paradigm shift that LBN will enable. Yeah, very, yeah, thank you for the, for the deep dive there. And I do highly recommend uh, for our listeners and viewers to make sure you go to LBN's website and uh, reach out for some additional information. They're doing some fantastic uh, things over there. You know, let's let's transition. You know, I know we're um, we've got a lot of good stuff to talk about, but I want to keep this short and sweet for the audience. But I do want to jump in and talk about the last mile access uh, before we wrap this up. And John, you've been, or should I say, Yul Brenner, you've been uh, leading the charge today. Um, what 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 do you think? What needs what needs to be changed in the edge computing technology stack 
to facilitate last mile data processing of IoT and edge device data? Well, Jules, as I mentioned the last segment, in order to implement efficient data processing solutions at the edge, uh, one of these RIT architectures, that is the MCQ architecture, needs to be modified. And so, firstly, to do that, an efficient fine-grained data power network needs to be implemented, uh, optimizing not only leakage, but also dynamic power. Uh, then, a new sensor-centric approach must be implemented to avoid involving the CPU in all events in the case of large data collections. In order to do this, the data must be collected without involving the CPU. This can be performed using modified subsystem architecture based on an autonomous DMA combined with an event manager. Uh, the CPU should also be able to compute the data without interfering with the data collection task. And this can be done through a novel new latency interconnect, which minimizes data access uh, conflicts. And finally, various specialized, highly efficient parallel computing blocks, ranging from tiny machine learning or uh, to high-performance uh, neural network accelerators, need to be added depending on the application. And if all these are running on a device at the edge, such as what Ron was talking about, uh, that LBN has come up with. Uh, this is uh, a win-win scenario. Jules? Thank you, John. And actually, you know, speaking of LBN, talk to us a little bit about uh, Last Mile Access and what it means for you and your team. Sure. Thank you. Um, so with current Wi-Fi and 3G, 4G networking approaches, the applications like a video game are either being run in the endpoint, like a smartphone, a laptop, a PC, or an IoT device, or in a remote data center, typically hundreds or thousands of miles away. This has implications on where data is stored and processed. And then you've got aspects of latency, network speed, CPU, GPU performance at either the endpoint or in the data center to worry about. With this new paradigm shift that LBN will enable with 5G and edge computing, Newer nano data centers will soon appear in campuses, in cell towers, in smart city, in smart grid infrastructure, like the LBN 5G-enabled lamppost with integrated edge computing. This leads to newer thinking on how data is stored, how it's processed, which will lead to faster, smarter, and more resilient applications. Resiliency from diversity of network connections and having multiple nano data centers to communicate with across a mesh topology of these nano data centers. For example, you know, here in Miami, uh, we have a, a startup called Magically with an AR VR mixed reality solution consisting of a headset goggle unit, a spatial mouse, a joystick, and a fanny pack computer and a power source connected, which unfortunately was connected over clumsy cabling, costing over $2,300 per person for the complete solution. And unfortunately, as has been uh, documented in the media, it led to very poor success, you know, poor sales. The main issues has, has been documented were the high cost, low quality speed over Wi-Fi with a high latency to the data center applications, leading to very poor sales. Instead, now in this new world with 5G, we could have very high speeds, ultra low latencies and edge computing. And ideally, if this were done in conjunction with a carrier like AT&T, for example, ideally this would be done in a carrier agnostic neutral host nano data center 
With this approach, much of these issues would have, been, would have disappeared. The Magic Leap device should never have been launched, for example. And instead, if sales were done only in 5G hotspots with carriers deploying edge computing with one millisecond latency and up to a gigabit per second speeds, then Magic Leap or companies like that would not have required expensive computing in the fanny pack and users would not have suffered with poor user experiences. By sharing the content with CPU and GPU resources, or even NPU, AI, you know, neural processing units, in the 5G edge computing nano data centers, and streaming at hundreds of megabit per second up to a gigabit per second, the computer architecture would shift from the endpoint and the mega data centers to the edge computing data center. Ideally with shared content from local cool kids gaming each other, or it could even be ed tech, you know, educational services where kids are sharing content uh, locally. If this sold well in 5G locations, then carriers would be motivated in deploying more 5G edge computing locations. This is the new paradigm shift that LBN will enable. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Akshay. And, and uh, Santa Claus of security, Mr. Joel, I know I, I left you out of the last segment, so I hope I still get a present. <laughs> but, you, know, you want to jump in here and maybe perhaps uh, you have anything to add to what John and Akshay stated or on maybe uh, what can be done to help increase security in the last mile of data processing of IoT devices? Yeah, Jules, uh, certainly. Um, uh, first of all, to, to help secure your IoT devices, uh, you'll need to focus on some of the key concepts of IoT that I'm gonna articulate right here. First, uh, first is your hardware. So the heart of your IoT is that hundreds, if not thousands of uh, these interconnected devices actually have sensors and actuators that sense, react, and control to the physical world. Then you should know that there's also uh, an embedded programming in these IoT devices that you can basically optimize for your business purposes. Next, uh, it is essential that your network design and management are optimal and scalable, simply just due to the large volume of interconnected devices on your network. And then there's the data analytics, ML, and AI. Make sure that you develop a secure and reliable way to ingest, store, and process the large amount of heterogeneous data from these devices. And you want to make sure that your big data analytics applies to the cognitive computing techniques from data mining, modeling, statistics, ML, and AI. And lastly, of course, it is critical that security must be built in throughout every step and part of your IoT design. That's my take. Jules? No, good stuff. Thank you, thank you, Joel. And um, Ron, I'm not gonna let you off the hook here. I know you, you've been quiet and I know we wanted to let the smart guys talk, uh, you and I, but we did discuss distant learning you know, before we started recording the podcast. Would you mind uh, talking to our audience a little bit about uh, distant learning and how it affects us today? Oh, absolutely. This is a topic, of course, due to the current pandemic and all that has been forth and put in front of us as LBN with different carriers, uh, school systems, universities, pick one. And as we tackled this, the, the interesting thing that I think Akshay and myself uh, were figuring out, we, we thought we had built a future-enabled architecture. That's always a fun word. I don't want to say future-proof, future-enabled. So we were able to do a lot like... Uh, what you were asking about, Jules, as, as we were going through this and what Joel just mentioned, 
how are you going to do this as distant learning? Because it's not just cameras and websites for kids. As Joel said, you also have security and all these other functions in here because they're kids. We're trying to pull this together for the kids. And so we have actually re-engaged some other environments um, in, in what we call a Kiwi product. It's a Kids Internet World Explorer for curriculum, administration, parents, security, coupled with the environment of the mesh networking of which we will be doing within the infrastructure that we mentioned here at LBN. And I think it's a real critical point for everybody in distant learning. We have a, a very large project on an island right now, and that is what they're wanting us to do. And so it's, you know, it's where you don't have fiber. How do you get it in here? Where do you do this? How do the kids get in a park and still have a session or school or curriculum and the teachers and the parents know they're safe? And these are some of the things that have been positioned to us multiple times by large carriers. And yes, we do have answers for that. And I look forward for people uh, asking and coming to us for it. It's, it's some of our social conscience also, Jules. And I think it's something that really needs to be taken care of for the, the current environment for kids, parents, administrators. Um, so I, I appreciate the, the question because uh, we are definitely engaged with it. Absolutely. And, and thank you, uh, Ron, for jumping in there. And, and, and team, great chat. I mean, tremendous amount of great information to ponder and research for the audience. And, you know, although I feel like with this group, we could probably talk all day. I think we should call it a wrap. And, there might even be brains out there melting right now. So uh, Akshay, I wanted to thank you for your time and insight today. Yep, thank you, it was great. Ron, uh, again, thank you for bringing your team and uh, jumping in here with us as well, thank you. Thank you, it was a pleasure, Jules. Absolutely, Mr. Uh, John uh, Yule Brenner Hooks, as always, you the man, thanks man. Thank you, Jules, and thanks to Akshay and Ron for uh, coming on as guests. And of course, always thanks to Joel, my friend and colleague. Absolutely, Joel. Thank you for keeping us safe and secure today, as always, buddy. All right. Uh, thanks. Uh, it was a very um, informative and great session. And I also want to say thanks to Ron and Akshay for uh, joining us. Thanks, Ron. And to our absolutely. And uh, to our great audience, uh, enjoy this wonderful holiday season, and make sure to stay safe out there. We hope that you found this podcast interesting and informative. Please join us again next week as we continue to build the bridge between blockchain technology and the enterprise. And be sure to visit our website to learn more or contact us at secure, secureblocktech.com. Have a great week and please reach out with any questions, feedback, or desire to join the blockchain revolution. Happy holidays.